Hi, this is Louis Canio. Welcome to the Doctor and Dad podcast. This fast-paced weekly podcast delves into the latest scientific findings on how we can all live longer and better lives. I'm the dad, and my daughter, Nicole, is a family medicine doc who trained at the renowned Cleveland Clinic. We hope you enjoy this short, informative show, and please be sure to visit thedoctorandad.com. Uh, and by the way, the doctor is abbreviated in that. So it's T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for the show notes um, and other resources to help you learn about extending your health span. Within the notes, you'll find links to a bunch of stuff we discussed. So be sure to check it out. And thanks for listening. Hi, doctor. Hi, dad. So big news, you're going to be transitioning from working within a primary care clinic that's part of a large hospital system um, and starting your own primary care practice. Yes, I am. <laughs> Very exciting. So let's, uh, we'll get into the details, but let's say, you know, in a nutshell, why are you making this change? Well, gosh, there, I don't know that there's a nutshell to say about it. <laughs> Um, start, start down the path. It's a little bit, um, it's a little bit easier to understand, um, when you understand what exactly direct primary care is. Um, so I'm opening my own practice. It's a direct primary care practice. Um, so a lot of people's first question would be what is direct primary care? Because I don't think it's, I don't think, I think the majority of people don't, wouldn't have any idea what that is. Um, and with direct primary care, it's kind of like it sounds, you have a direct relationship with just, you know, your doctor um, instead of your doctor through your hospital system and insurance company and, you know, mm-hmm. medical assistants and administrators and et cetera, et cetera. So, so in that, in that way, um, it's kind of like it, it was in the old days. So. Right. <laughs> Yeah. A, I mean, old, old days, you know, I'm talking maybe pre-1960, 50 in that range. Right. When, you know, you, because now, nowadays you hear people say, gosh, I couldn't talk to my doctor if I, if I wanted to outside of an appointment, you know, because right. you're going to either get the, you're going to get the nurse going back and forth. And it's so inefficient, just that example, like you call, because you have a question, let's say about your prescription. So you call, you leave a message because no one's going to like immediately answer because everyone's doing things the nurse gets the message or your medical assistant gets the message, um, takes the message, jots it down, sends you and the doctor the me- what that message is. You see the message, you respond to the message. It goes back to the nurse or medical assistant. The medical assistant then calls the patient back to tell them the answer. <laughs> so, Yo. Yo. It could be so- as simple as like, am I supposed to take one or two of these medications a day? Right. And that's, that's the, um, you know, process that it takes to get the answer. And now sometimes that's streamlined because there is my chart messaging and electronic medical record messaging and, and that sort of thing. But even still, that's kind of taken a little bit for granted because your doctor is still seeing patients all day long. Um, and then has to get to these, you know, messages at some point in the day. Um, so most people aren't able to like really talk to their doctor. And if their doctor is calling them, it's probably not, great news because the patients right. who I will call in my practice now are the ones who we really, I can't re- relay the message well through somebody else or through it's a complicated. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, like you said, it's typically bad news. So I think maybe um, where a good place to start is 
what does your typical workday look like now? Well, so before I, um, before I give you a rundown of my day, I'll just say keep to keep in mind about the direct primary care is it's like a Netflix subscription, you know, it's a, or a monthly subscription model where um, you pay, you can either pay annual, you could pay twice a year, you could pay quarterly or monthly, but it's X amount of money a month. Um, and you have unlimited access to your doctor. So you pay what, whether you use it or don't use it, no matter how much you use it one month, you might talk to your doctor two times the next month, you might talk to your doctor 10 times. Um, but it all costs the same and you have, you know, full access to them via, you know, in visit, in-person visits, texting, virtual visits, emails. Um, and when you cut out the insurance piece, because your doctor is not billing insurance to get reimbursed from you, um, there's so much, um, less red tape and, what I would estimate is about 50% more time directly spent on you and your care because you don't have to do all these things that some, somebody decided needed to be done in primary care. So that's kind of what the model is that I'm transitioning to, but in a day, like on a day-to-day basis right now, um, I'm in a primary care outpatient practice. It is hospital owned, Um, so, you know, most, most private or most primary care practices are hospital owned. Um, Mm -hmm. so your doctor is likely, um, your office, your doctor's office is likely being run, um, under a hospital setting. Um, and how many patients do you currently have within your, your universe? So I have probably about mm, 1500, um, and that's actually only about half of what the average primary care doctor's patient panel is. Most is 2,500 to 3,000. And I'm only in my second year with... So yours would grow over time. Exactly. Yeah. So mine isn't even full yet. Um, So yeah, average 2,500 to 3,000 patients. But what essentially what I do is I come in um, and start seeing patients at seven and that seven o'clock spot is always full. Um, which is understandable if I had to go to the doctor going before work is probably all I could, I could work out in my current, you know, Monday through Friday job. Um, so, and you start right off the bat with a template of in general, every 15 minute, a new patient is on your schedule. Now there is like 30 minutes for physicals or little procedures. Um, so your schedule really goes every 15 minutes or every 30 minutes, depending on the encounter, but anything outside of an annual physical is usually like a 15 minute slot. And that 15 minutes, what people kind of, I don't think realize you check in at that, at that time, right? So you get to, let's say you have a two o'clock appointment, you, you get to your office at two, two o'clock and then you sit after you get checked in and hopefully you get checked in quickly, but that that's a very in of itself because usually it's like, Oh, let me update your insurance card. Let me get you to sign these forms and that form and update your contact information. And all this stuff is just, again, regulation and, and insurance stuff. And um, then you sit and you wait for the medical assistant or the nurse to call your name back. And hopefully the doctor's kind of on time, but if they're not, it's not because your doctor's just twiddling their thumbs. It's because they're behind they got behind during the day Mm -hmm. basically yeah Yeah. and then you get back and and to be honest most of the time the appointment slot is over and then it's time for the next patient 
Right. So you're already, you know, you're already running. Behind. Absolutely. So then the, then the medical assistant or nurse brings you and gets your vitals. So they have to take your blood pressure. Sometimes it's easy to do, you know, once and that's it. But other times if it's high, then they have to recheck it. Um, they have to get your temperature and then they have to ask you all kinds of screening questions. They have to make sure, you know, they have to ask it's, and this is because, and it's good. It's not bad that they're asking, are you depressed or do you feel down most days? But it's like all these little things that you mm-hmm. have the boxes you have to check for do you, I, I love the one do you feel safe in your exactly home? right every single time so and that's yeah. fine it's not that these are not good things to assess in people but again think about how much time has now elapsed elapsed since you walked in the door right it's now at least 2 30 i'm gonna say <laughs> right exactly um and then the nurse puts in you know the all the information into the computer. Hopefully the computer's working right. And then steps out and um, comes to get you or tells you that your patient's ready. So at that point you go in, the doctor goes in and I'm already thinking, okay, we got, we got to get this going as fast as we can. Um, And that, that 15 minute visit is generally because the person calls and says, Oh, I have, I, you know, I have a cold and I need to get checked out. But while the patient's there, they also decide, you know, okay, I'm going to also ask about my blood pressure. Oh, and my mom just got diagnosed with blank, you know, so I want to make sure I talk to the doctor Mm -hmm. a little bit about that. But I have probably three more minutes left to see this patient before I get myself like an hour behind. So, so your typical, I don't know if you can generalize, but if you can, a typical patient interaction face-to-face in your office less than 10 minutes um or around 10 minutes or it, do they get the full 15 no absolutely do they not get the full 15 because again you're you're booked probably 20 to 30 patients a day um and it's just not doable everyone has had that doctor or had that doctor visit where they have to sit and wait for 2 hours right um and that really is terrible it's a bad it's experience. Terrible yeah. experience. However, <laughs> I kind of admire those doctors because they're the ones who are just going to, you know, take whatever time they need right. with the patients. And you know that you've got somebody who is not going to short, short you what you need. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, people have to get, you have to get, get done with your day. Like I've got two kids <laughs> I have to pick up and. Um, well, yeah, you're kind of between a rock exactly. and a hard place because. Because if you actually do spend the time that is needed, which is more than, let's say, 10 minutes typically, then you are backlogging all of your other patients and having them wait hours. And one of my least favorite things, like one of the things I try really hard to avoid is making someone wait who has arrived on time. Like if someone comes in late, like let's say they get there 10 minutes late, which doesn't sound like that like much, but I want to say like dude, your appointment's almost over now. Um, but if they come in 10 (laughs) minutes late, I'm not going to make the person who came in on time wait because they were late. I'll bump them, see the person who was on time first and then, you know, go back. Right. And it's it's not that you're you're being malicious at all. It's just a, it's just, you're trying to, to, but the, the reality is that person that was 10 minutes late might have been stuck exactly. in traffic. They might yeah, have there's no completely legitimate. Right. And usually they do. Excuse. Usually they do. Yeah. But it still doesn't change the fact that I don't want to have the other person 
waiting, you know, so it's, it's hard. It's, and that's kind of like part of the whole, like part of the whole day is managing your schedule, like minutes. Right. And and you're doing things, you're doing a lot more than just seeing patients as well. Right. Right. So then you look at your inbox and you've got labs coming in from the 25 patients you saw the day before you've got patients calling for refills. You've got people calling with questions. Do I need to be seen? I just, you know, found out this. Can I, you know, can I schedule a virtual visit for this? Just being inundated with this while also having to finish your note, which the notes have to be done a certain way to meet insurance, you know, criteria. So the day. So it's not like you can, not like you can just wing it on the notes and finish them in a couple of minutes. And be that's done how with what it. people used to do. They used to do like three line notes. Right. scribble stuff down and it, they knew what they were talking about and they knew what they needed to remember, but that was the beginning and the end of it. Well, that no longer can be done. You actually have to have some stuff in your note. Um, and it is, it's just brutal. And then if you get something in your inbox and lab results that are, you know, you got to kind of really Concerning. sit and think about, <laughs> it's like, you don't have time to, you don't have time to think. And when the patients are telling you stuff and with primary care, you know, they could come in asking you literally anything anything well you're the first line of defense in this in this you know in this battle against disease this battle to be healthy Yeah. so if they have a question about you know their diet they have a question about some random vitamin if they have a question about something they heard on tv if they have a question about their stomach or their or their head or their eyes or their skin or their family history of blank or like anything you are it's fair game for you if you go to your eye doctor for example and start asking them about a spot on their <laughs> on your skin the eye doctor is going right. to stop you and say sorry sorry that's not my wheelhouse um make sure you talk to your regular doctor about that but we can't do that because you know we have to we've got to address it you are the regular yeah we've got to address something <laughs> even if that something is sending you to a specialist you still have to address it so the system for primary care is the same system that's there for like ophthalmology where you can see 35 patients a day because you're walking in there taking a peek at their eyes you know what's going on you know what you need to do um so it's the same now same it's the same system that's set up because that's how insurance decides to reimburse you and because of that it is in my opinion like the complete opposite of healthcare. it's sick care it's not meant to, it's not meant to allow you to prevent disease and illness. And it's not designed to help educate your patients on how to stay healthy because you don't have time to do that. Um, it's not designed to allow you to take the time you need to avoid just referring patients here or there unnecessarily, or just getting an extra test unnecessarily. Um, you're just like, you know, putting out fires and, and, and I got to, you know, kind of begs the question as to the root cause, but and when we don't have time to to dig into it in this in this podcast, well, the root but cause is, is it, I, I mean, is it all about absolutely. money? Absolutely. Because yeah. the only reason why I have to see as many patients as I need to see, instead of saying, "Hey, I want to cap my schedule at ten patients a day." Um, is because I have to have an X number of productivity in order to make my salary. And who's setting that productivity number? The hospital system. And what dictates my productivity? Insurance companies reimbursement. 
for me. So it's very clear. The only way primary care makes money for a hospital system that you work for um, is by seeing more people. For a specialist who does procedures, it would be doing more procedures. But for us, we talk to patients. We have we see patients in the office. We do some procedures, but a lot of what we do is through just your regular visit. Come in, we'll talk about whatever and do whatever we have to do. And that you're basically a factory. Exactly, you're a patient factory. And you know, I don't know that this is like this is kind of. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but keeping people well doesn't make the hospital systems money and it doesn't make the insurance companies money. You know what I mean? Like they we're not, I, I don't see the incentive in the greater scheme of things. We need to take care of the, you know, ridiculous healthcare expenses and, and the, the huge, um, the huge deficit that we have around the cost of healthcare. But on the smaller scale of like how this actually happens, it's kind of counter. There's, there's not a whole lot of no, incentive who- to keep people healthy, at, at least at your level. What I have heard is hospitals are increasingly getting kind of judged and, and ultimately potentially reimbursed on. That's outcomes. the other piece of it. Yes. So they are, but did that, does that change the way that we're able to see patients in primary care? No, but do we have to have our no. patients, um, a, a certain percentage of our patients under a certain level of blood pressure control and diabetes control in order to be compensated? Yes. But you're not going to give me any more time to do that. But if I don't check these boxes and meet the, you know, meet the goals, then I don't get compensated. And there is some level of quality control, quality, sort of which thing. there should be quality control. Yeah. But if you're not going to counter that with time, um, it's not any, it, it's not feasible. And then the other this, piece of it, <laughs> the other piece of your compensation is, are the press gain scores that patients will, and the surveys that patients will fill out. And that's frustrating because no patient who only sees their doctor for six minutes, which that's, I think the average time that you spend face-to-face with your doctor is like seven minutes. No one who, you know, comes in and waits any amount of time and only sees you for seven minutes and is told, I'm sorry, we can't address that today because we don't have time. So come back tomorrow. No one's going to be satisfied with that. No one's going to be satisfied with a quick, you know, answer to a couple of questions. And no one's going to be really satisfied with a nurse having to call them back three different times to get an easy answer or something. It, it really sounds like a system that is is going to create a lot of dissatisfaction both in the provider and the consumer like it if you ever had if you ever ran any other business this way including a mcdonald's mm-hmm. let's say <laughs> you'd be out of business in no in no yep. time it's it, it healthcare really is unique in that i mean i guess I guess you could say the for a while the airlines were going, going down that, that is road so weird, true. You know? Like it just it sucks, <laughs> and there's nothing you can do about it. It just sucks. But the difference is the airlines continue to make money regardless of how many times the um, customers complain about how miserable how miserable it is to fly. They still fly, and it doesn't cost it, their tickets aren't any less because it sucks to fly. Right. You know. Right. So so let's so that we let's we spent probably 10 or 15 minutes painting a very bleak picture of your current day. 
how is your day going to look different come January one when you when you open well, up? Your ideally, practice? I have patients who, you know, understand the concept and and understand the value in it. But what happens then is your panel goes from twenty five hundred to three thousand patients to you know four hundred to six hundred patients. So just there alone, you can actually know your patients right now when I see people and I see them a couple times a year it's like they're brand new to me each time because I'm I don't remember right um so that's the the first thing is you have much more time per patient when your panel isn't you know isn't such a high number how many how many um, um appointments do you think you know go if you have 20 to 30 now in a day what would a typical you know, patient uh, schedule look like at, at 400 to 600. Well, you know, that's the other thing too. It could be five inpatient visits and then, you know, five virtual visits or even less. It could be a Mm -hmm. full day of only, you know, telemedicine stuff because there's so much that I can do for patients via phone, text, email, or video. But the reason why we're not able to really, and, and yes, now we do some telemedicine because of the pandemic and everything, but really I can just email someone back and forth or quickly talk to them on the phone about so many things. Um, but I don't get reimbursed for that. I have to bring them into the office. Right. Um, wow. So, so counterproductive in terms of exactly. the incentives there. And, and it just think about the, what it takes for some people to get out of the house and even get to their appointment. But we don't get, but insurance doesn't let us. And I guess I shouldn't say doesn't let us. There is some small number um, tied to reimbursement for some telehealth, but you have to jump through hoops in order to get reimbursed any amount for it. <clears throat> so in this way, I can answer emails. We can talk about someone's you know, blood pressure. We can talk about someone's symptoms. And if they need to be seen, fine, we can do that. But otherwise stuff can be done via email or text or phone calls. And then patients who want to be seen or need to be seen in the office can come in, but I, the patients won't be scheduled any, any less than an hour apart. So, so right, right there is a fourfold difference between what you're talking about now. People come in, you know, who are even like 70 with multiple medical problems and they come in because they've had a cough. Well, yes, we should address the cough and maybe I can address the cough in just 15 minutes, but we should also, you know, check in on X, Y, Z other things. Um, so it's never, and we should make sure that like they've had their annual screenings done and make sure that other things, you know, are, are going fine. So it always takes, it's all, it's never as simple as just one little complaint. Exactly. Exactly. So let's start, let's, let's take a look at your services um, and, and kind of how they compare to, to what you do now. So you mentioned the annual physical, you know, you're allotted 30 minutes for that instead of 15. So um, how would, how would a patient's experience under direct primary care be uh, when they come in for a physical be different? So for the biggest thing there is one time, because if I could, I would dedicate so much more time to just, um, discussing how to live a healthy lifestyle, what you really need to do day to day, you know, not medications, nothing like that, but what you really should be doing um, with your diet, exercise, sleep, and mental health to live a long and healthy life. 
I probably have enough time for like 120 seconds of that right now, but that really should be the bulk of your annual preventative wellness visit. The other piece of it is insurance dictates what labs are covered as like your annual screening labs. And yes, I can order whatever labs I want, but if I order the lab that I feel like is appropriate through insurance, it might be billed the patient might be billed a lot because it wasn't that like basic blank lab, like thyroid study or lipid study right. when that's not really the best lab test to assess for something. And if I feel like this patient needs an annual, you know, advanced lipid test, that's going to, that's going to be billed to the patient. like, you know, who knows, 300, 400 bucks through insurance. But but what I'm able right. to do is get the labs at wholesale cost, like 90% discount compared to what insurance is going to bill because I don't need to make any money off the labs. So I just need the results from the labs. So even just a simple complete blood count, a CBC that you'd want to get yearly is going to be like $2.15, but insurance is going to bill that at like 80 bucks or a vitamin D level. A vitamin wow. D level is like 150 bucks. <laughs> That, that insurance is going to bill 150 bucks. We can do it for $13. You know, it's God. such a, such a, yeah, that's, I mean, you, you listen to the politicians debate about what's wrong with the healthcare system. You, you, you've just described it, not right. all of it. And insurance is needed for some things. You know, if you, if you get sick and need to go into the hospital, if you need to see a specialist and need to have surgery, if you, um, you know, there's, there's tons of, tons of reasons why we do need insurance but for primary care it is in my opinion absolutely counterproductive and you know what you just described with the annual physical um, experience is exactly why i um i changed from my doctor my previous uh, primary care doctor who was part of a hospital Mm -hmm. system exactly like you who would spend maybe 10 minutes with me at my annual physical maybe 12 and and hey, I got I have a, I have a family history of heart mm-hmm. disease on both sides of the of the family. I have high um, cholesterol. I have a brother or younger brother with right. stents. You know, I, I I and 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 my blood test was the the you know simplest straightforward one you can get. Going to cover and exactly and and if i asked him and i'm interested in this stuff so i'll listen to you know i'll I'll do my own research whatever if i asked him some relatively complex well not you know by my standards Mm -hmm. question regarding Mm -hmm. lipids i i I got the feeling he didn't really understand well and (laughs) you know yeah and it's what i was talking about i've been because i I gotta believe it because again like i said before if you're in primary care people can come in and ask you literally anything anything and sometimes i have honestly been like i don't i don't actually know i have like i have no idea i won't say that but 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 if you have more time then you get time to research so the difference is too like (laughs) if you're a doctor I can apply the knowledge I already have and very easily figure something out. So yeah. Okay. Let's look it up. Let's look up this study or let's look up this new medication that you heard about. And I can easily, you know, reconcile the the information. Um, but if you don't give us time to, then, then, you know, nothing's going to change. 
Exactly. Exactly. So let me let me ask you about a couple of other things in terms of services. Will you I make house calls? Definitely would would make house calls. I wouldn't say like, yeah, I'll come to your house anytime you want to, you know, for any reason. Absolutely. Where, so where if it's, it's someone who's older, let's say it's a new mom, um, and you know, there's a sick kiddo that needs to be seen. I would have no problem with it. If it's an older person who's having trouble leaving the house, you know, that's not a problem. If there's, if there's extenuating circumstances, you know, and it makes sense and it's a safe thing to do, then I have no problem with that. And that's something you really can't do through, you know, your typical traditional. Um, and that, the the texting about, emails all that kind of stuff because everything through you know insurance fee for service and under a hospital system you kind of have to constantly cover yourself in every single step that you take so i'm not going to feel comfortable you know texting a patient and telling them what to do without having proper documentation and having them come into the office and document this and that but when you take when you're not billing insurance then you it's completely you know, completely different situation. You can just take care of the patient. Obviously you're still documenting and doing things safely. You still have malpractice insurance and, and all that, but you can just, you, it becomes so much more reasonable and so much more just rational. Yeah. That, that's the biggest um, um, kind of thing I've noticed in addition to the to much more extensive mm-hmm. physical annual physical um, is that ability to text or call and, and have access mm-hmm. to the physician Um is it is right. so different than going through all of those layers and that it's you not described because I don't want front. to do that now with um, my patients, but with a panel of even fifteen hundred, let alone three thousand, imagine how many <laughs> I mean I get I get a million emails from people through yeah. their electronic medical record now that I'm trying to keep up with while I'm seeing a ton of patients and um it's yeah. just it's it doesn't it doesn't align with the goal of primary care and a lot of people say primary care is going you know to the wayside because people are just going to be going to specialists and hopefully that's not the case because i think where where primary care is is the only way we're able to really change people's health because if you just stick with specialists they're only going to focus on that one thing and you're never going to get ahead. Like, yeah, you got a kidney doctor because your kidneys are shot, but who's looking out for, you know, the X, Y, Z, other things that are going on. Or the, or right. the root cause of that, of why, how your kidneys were, were shot in, in the beginning. And that's, you know, it's, so it's, 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 it's really, you think about it, you know, um, the, the, there's no question that the general health of Americans right. is in decline. You know, more people are overweight and obese, more, more diabetes uh, and, and metabolic disorders, uh, more cancer, more heart disease, uh, all of these things. And to the point where I think we talked about it on a, on a podcast recently where, where the, the lifespan in the U.S. Mm-hmm. is going, actually going down. Time. Never, time never mind health time. span. Yep. Never mind health span. Right. Never mind the quality of, of your health, just the you know lifespan, which is which is just right. should not happen in a, in a society like like the U.S. Um, and and to, to think that, you know, and the only you know chance that, that you have to, to change those numbers are are docs like you working with with mm-hmm. uh, engaged patients around a bunch of lifestyle changes. Um, let me ask you about a couple of other services. I'm just curious. So can I go to yes. you and get a flu shot? 
Yeah. So flu shots and other vaccines, sometimes it makes more sense to have your vaccine done at the pharmacy and we can figure that out. And the same thing with labs. So you come to me, we get labs done and maybe because you're on a high deductible plan and you're relatively healthy and don't plan on meeting your deductible, we do that $2.15 CBC because, you know, that's the cheapest way to go. But if you aren't high deductible or you're you're going to meet your deductible because you need something done and it makes more sense for us to just bill your insurance for the labs. We can bill your insurance for the labs. Fine. Um, Same thing with imaging. You know, we can do steeply discounted x-rays, CT scans, MRIs, whatever um, for those people who it makes more sense. But for other people, it may make more sense to take the bigger bill and just have it go through insurance. That's, That's fine. Insurance. Nice to have that that flexibility. Um, I, as you, I just had an MRI today and the, so I think that MRI mm-hmm. charge was like a thousand dollars. I want to say, um, any idea what a discounted MRI? It all depends on, you know, what type of MRI it is, but anywhere from, you know, 300 bucks to 600 bucks potentially, um, can, you can just get stuff done much, much cheaper. Yeah. And you mentioned wholesale prices for, for prescription yeah, same medications kind of thing, as well. I don't need to make money off of the medications. I... So can you dispense the, the medication, the, the prescriptions? I know there's yep, state in Nebraska, we on, can, I can on... have the medications in the office and dispense them at, you know, a fraction of the cost or at minimum be able to compare it to what you'd otherwise pay with your insurance and say, Hey, it's going to cost you blank at the pharmacy or, here's $5 because this is what it cost me. And here's your month of whatever it is. Um, because I don't need to make money off of them. Whereas if you're going to the pharmacy, someone else is making money off of that prescription, right? It's not just direct to the consumer, but if I have the medications going direct to the consumer and I don't need to make any extra cash off the top of it, because I'm just getting the, you know, membership fee from the patient, you can have the medication at cost. So that's awesome. Um, so how about procedures? Um, I know that you, you, uh, you spent a year in a surgery residency, so, you know, you're not shy about, uh, <laughs> using your scalpel. Uh, can I get a mole removed? Yes. Yeah, so all uh, that stuff I would, um, I would do still under the same monthly membership. Like I've done, I do, I do all kinds of joint injections and they insurance will bill, you know, a hundred to a couple hundred bucks, depending on what I'm doing, but I can easily inject a knee or whatever it is with a steroid and would only charge the dollars that it costs for the steroid medication itself. Um, Mole removals, nothing, because nothing else is needing to be really purchased for that. If we have to send something for pathology, it would be, again, just the price of the lab test, but not, but if you, for example, if you come in and get your, get, come into me in my, in the current model. And let's say you need to have, um, something removed because it looks suspicious and you needed a blood draw for something. Insurance is going to bill you for the visit itself. Um, and then you're going to have a bill for the person who's, uh, drawing your blood, not for the actual labs, but for that blood draw, then you're going to have a bill for the labs themselves. Then you're, exactly. Then you're going to have a bill for the procedure, which is going to be not small because procedures will bill more. And then you're going to have a bill for the pathology for whatever gets taken off and sent away. Right. 
So every step there, someone's making money off of it. And certainly not your doctor. I can promise you that. So with all of this talk, if if that were the case, doctors would be like, yeah, hey, let's stick with this model. It's great. Um, But we're not the ones who are profiting off of all of it. Um, And it's just unnecessary extra charges. Like I said, there's no need to pay 80 bucks for a CBC. There's no need for insurance to bill 80 bucks for CBC because it costs at the lab at LabCorp $2 in some sense. Mm -hmm. But that's the way the system works. Yeah. I mean, I have it set up. How about if I want to get these wrinkles, you know, <laughs> kind of uh, get rid of them? Yeah, I will offer, I, I do offer Botox. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And am I going to get it at less than? Yeah. Uh, now, there's not a big profit margin on Botox right now, anyways. <laughs> it's an expensive little uh, vial of medication. But yes, you would essentially just be paying gotcha. the cost of the medication and shipping. Medication. Cool. Um, one other thing I noticed on uh, when I was on your website, and we're going to give people the uh, the address for your website uh, coming up here in a minute. Uh, but health coaching is a is a part of it. So, what what explain that? So with piece. health, the health coaching, I think a lot of this just inherently will happen by having direct access with your doctor and having a different type of kind of relationship with your doctor. You'll get um, a much greater um, a much greater focus on your health and well-being, but then there's also a extra layer of health coaching that you know we're able to offer patients who who want it at no extra cost, where we can track certain things and it'll come with an app, and you're able to set goals and put things in the app and kind of communicate back and forth with your doctor. And then if you want to take it an even a step further, um, we can do a more personalized. Um, and a more day-to-day health coaching um, program that would be, you know, some extra cost to your monthly membership just for that kind of level of, of attention. Um, and actually you're going to be doing that. <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, I am. And I'm look for, looking forward to it uh, very much. So um, I am a, obviously a big believer in people's ability to influence their um, their their health span um, through a, a variety of, of you know, lifestyle changes, um, but I'm also very uh, aware of how challenging that can be. So, um, looking forward to to, to partnering yeah, with so you pe- in that process. Want kind of that extra layer of just really optimizing their preventative care. Not even just preventative. Even if you have some health problems, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't that you wouldn't be a great health coaching candidate. You'd probably be even better. Um, and have a much more individualized and personalized approach to it. Um, and before people say, well, like, you know, what gives you the, the credibility to do this? He is also going to be um, certified as a health coach. So there's, there'll be strict, yes. Yes. strict, strict <laughs> um, requirements that will be met. Um, but it's, you know, it's just an extra added thing that your regular doctor's office and, and the models that are generally done now aren't, aren't able to offer. Right. Because you, you there's no, there's no, mm-hmm. what is it, uh, code for health right. coaching that, that can right. be run yes. through the insurance companies. So, yep. 
Well, great, great. Um, I, one final question for you. Actually, two probably. Um, are you going to be reaching out to employers, or, or if if someone who is, is an employer is listening and is interested in in accessing your services for their employees? Yeah, and is, before is I started to go down this road, I didn't even realize how big it was with employers. But employee benefits um, is such a it's such a, a growing field. It's not just your general like here are your two health plans to pick from. Um, and this is something that has been really attractive to employers because one, it keeps, you know, it keeps their employees, you know, engaged and, and healthy and happier, which if you have a, a happier and healthier employee, they're less likely to leave or need to leave. And then they'll be more, pro- and yes, they'll be they'll more productive. productive. And then I think presumably. there's also like, you know, if depending on certain health metrics, then I think they get bur- breaks on their their insurance premiums and all this kind of stuff um so it's something that you know you pair with an, an employer and offer certain discounts on your monthly fee and um it can be something that can be really attractive to to the employees and the employers well and as you've explained the, the cost savings could be significant and to some extent well to, and maybe to a large extent employers bear a lot right. of the cost of healthcare for their employees and you know it's usually a shared cost so if there are if there are cost um, savings accruing to the employee they're they're you know to some extent right. going and there's to accrue different to the ways employer to as the well employer can pay 100% the employer can pay 80% 50% you know yeah yep very flexible Great. Great. Well, how do, how do people find out uh, more? Where, yes, do, it is aspiremdirect.com. And there's all this information that we've talked about today, a little bit more, and then how to contact, how to sign up. And um, I, I tell people right now, feel free to shoot me any, any questions at all. We can easily have a telephone conversation um, before if you're, if you're not sure about if it's the right fit, but happy to to take any amount of time to, to answer questions for interested potential patients. Great. Great. Well, I know you, this has been kind of a long time that you've been kind of thinking about it and planning. And now you're obviously in the, in the putting it all together phase of, of things. So um, I can imagine um, while you're very, very busy doing all that, you're, you're very, very excited about the, yes, it, the, the upcoming it transition. Yes, soon enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming fast. <laughs> Trust me. So, okay. Well, great, Nicole. I think we've covered this subject uh, in depth and, um, and I'm looking forward, um, like I said, to working with you on this and uh, to, to seeing you launch uh, your new practice. Thanks again for listening. You can visit the doctorandad.com. That's spelled T-H-E-D-R-A-N-D-D-A-D.com for show notes to any of our podcasts, as well as other useful info on extending health span. Now the legal disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. And no doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this information in show notes is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not meant to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Listeners should not, should not disregard 
or delay taking medical advice or treatment for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their medical professional for any such conditions. We also want you to know that we take no funding from any product or service that may be mentioned on the Doctor and Dad podcast.